Murders on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in experts and authors to help writers of all genres compose more authentic cops, crimes, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, best-selling author Jason Pencher steps into the interrogation room to clear up a few things about his writing. He's the best-selling author of two books in the Rachel Marin series, entitled Hideaway and A Stranger at the Door, his most recent release, as well as five novels in his Henry Parker thriller series, and a standalone novel entitled The Castle. Collectively, he's sold more than a million copies in print worldwide, and he's been published in more than a dozen countries. He's also written a middle-grade adventure novel entitled Zeke Bartholomew's Super Spy and a children's picture book called Miracle. He's been nominated for numerous writing awards, and his book entitled The Mark was optioned to be a feature film. Jason's also the founder and publisher of Polis Books, an independent publishing company he launched in 2013, following a number of editorial marketing positions throughout the major publishing companies. He was also named as one of Publisher Weekly's inaugural Star Watch honorees, which recognizes young publishing professionals who have distinguished themselves as future leaders of the industry. Jason's latest book is entitled A Stranger at the Door, and it's the second in his Rachel Marin series. Welcome to Raiders on the Beat, Jason. I am so grateful to have you here. It's a pleasure having you back, and I'm so glad to get to speak to you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, for everyone who doesn't have the fortune of an advanced copy of A Stranger at the Door sitting on their desk, what do you want them <laughs> to know about, about this incredible book? So this is the second book in my Rachel Marin series. Uh, the first book came out last year, Hide Away. Um, and the series is about uh, Rachel Marin, who is a single mother of two young children. Uh, and after a traumatic event uh, shatters her life and her family, she's forced to relocate with her two children to a small town in Illinois, change their identities, change their, every, change their names, uh, and restart. And she also is forced to, because she feels sort of let down by people who are supposed to be protecting her family, she essentially hones her mind and body to essentially be able to protect her family. Um, and so she sort of has to balance seeking justice for those who have been wronged with also being a, a mother of two children. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful series. I love the character and I'm glad uh, how readers have responded to it so far. Yeah, it's an absolutely incredible read, and I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, thank you, thank you. As, as you were explaining this, um, and having you know, picked up uh, or read Hideaway last year, uh, for everyone who hasn't, uh, they might have a, a, a bit of a question about how you're able to disappear someone in our current society. How, how, does, <laughs> how, how does Rachel achieve that? Because I might want in. Well, you know, I, I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say she she has a little bit of help. She's also very smart. Um, you know, there's certainly, I give a sense of how she's able to do that. Um, she's somebody who, until this event happens to her family, she lays, she's a regular person. She's not, you know, an Instagram influencer. She's not a, you know, <laughs> a, a Twitter junkie. Um so she's not somebody who has an enormous footprint before that, mm -hmm. um, but there are circumstances that happen to her that force her to have to drop everything. Um, so she is able to do that with a little bit of help from, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil too much, mm -hmm. but there are, reason, there are ways she's able to do that and reasons why it's necessary for her to do that. Uh, Rachel Marin, for her part, she is an incredibly interesting and relatable character and, and a, a real everyday hero. And 
I think that's one of the things that readers uh, really enjoy, especially in this genre, right? If this feels very, um, a little bit PI and, and domestic suspense. Um, mm-hmm. And with Rachel Bean and everyday hero walking among us, uh, how did you go about crafting her as a character to ensure that she could achieve all these ends especially in a series, which is a bit unusual in this genre. So, yeah, I, um, to me, it was very important that Rachel was relatable because obviously there's certain things that she does uh, both physically and mentally that are, that are pretty uh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she is an ordinary mother. And I think that's where the character started with me. Um, so that I think that's what makes really that she's all, everything that she does, she does for her two children. And because she feels that, she can't counter anybody else to protect them. And she certainly, you know, maybe goes a little above and beyond and certainly does things that are coloring outside the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was the the conflict that, that interested me is that here's a character who is as capable as almost anyone in sort of a mystery suspense genre. But at the same time, I felt a lot of those characters, they tended to be loners. They tend to be, you know, the kind of people who can, you know, they can sit at bars till three in the morning and get into fights in alleys and things <laughs> like that. And listen, Rachel has to get her kids ready for school and she has to cook dinner and she, she can't be the one closing down at the bar and getting into fights at three in the morning. So I thought it'd be really interesting to take a character who had these skills, wanted to see justice done, but at the same time, couldn't go quite as far as some other people because of her responsibilities. So how do you balance that? How does she balance wanting to be something of a vigilante uh, with having these two children that she both had to protect and, and also deal with the, the emotional baggage that they're all carrying? And uh, with that, this, this story, um, you've done a fantastic job in the way that this story opens to really reinforce that to the reader. I don't want to as you said a couple times, I don't want to spoil this too much for the experience, but um, Rachel's normal everyday life is definitely on display here, despite all the things that she's going to accomplish and achieve. And I, I think that really reinforces her uh, her normalcy. And that's, that's really makes her kind of unique. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I, I think that you, I wanted to show as, as much as sort of like the you know, in Hideaway, um, there's a murder that she investigates, but it was as important, you know, aside from the procedural or thriller suspense aspects of it, I really wanted to show her just sort of a lot of, a lot of the normal day-to-day scenes, scenes where, you know, her son is very withdrawn because of what he's experienced. Her daughter, who's younger and doesn't remember everything, is a little more normal and well-adjusted. I wanted to show Rachel in those quiet moments with her children, you know, trying to reach her son or just playing with her daughter. Her daughter sort of like writes these little cute, um, almost like adventure novels, mm-hmm. adventure stories. Um, so that was really important to me to balance the character in addition to showing Rachel investigating this crime, to show her interacting with her children and show just how important it is to just not just protect her children, but to be a good mom. Now, with this being such a personal story, uh, how do you as an author go about finding inspiration and researching these types of uh, essentially domestic stories that are are so intimate rather than, you know, an Indiana Jones adventure, (laughs) Jason Bourne. Right. Right. Well, I, I, you know, traveling to, you know, South America and uh, getting, you know, poison tipped (laughs) arrows shot at me. That's, that's, that's a little out of the question. You know, it's, 
I don't want to say it's easier to write domestic suspense, but I think in a lot of ways it's actually harder because once you're dealing with real emotions and things that people deal with every day, you know, it's when you can say, you know, Indiana Jones runs from a boulder and very few people have actually run from boulders. So there, there's not a lot of, you can't watch that scene and be like, oh, that's not how it happens in real life. <laughs> Whereas mm -hmm. if you're dealing with a character who's a parent who has children and whose children might be struggling emotionally, that's a very real emotion. So you really have to try to get it right. So it was important to me, you know, not just to get the procedural and forensics information right and do the research and talk to cops and, and find out all these things, but to also, you know, I'm a parent myself, I have two young children, um, to talk to, uh, you know, Rachel's a single mother, to talk to single mothers and understand the emotions and dynamics behind that. Because I think so many people who are reading it are either are parents or have parents or, you know, they know that world very well. And if those emotions don't ring true, the story is not going to ring true because so much of the emotional core in the story is Rachel's being a parent that if you don't get that part real, it's not going to work. And as a writer, how, where do you draw the line? How, how do you go about making this an authentic, relatable, intimate story about a human experience without totally filling the pages with your most intimate details of your life? Well, I mean, Rachel is not me. Um, you know, I, I'd say we, we're parents and mm -hmm. that's maybe the, the only similarity. You know, I certainly use some of the emotions that I have as a parent and my, my wife too. Um, you know, she's an amazing mother. Um, and there's certain little details here and there that maybe I sprinkle in from a real life. But, you know, I'm not a fan of sort of like every character must be inspired by someone from my life. Or people say like, oh, are you Rachel Marin? Is your wife Rachel Marin? It's like, no, <laughs> not really. Um, so uh, Rachel is a wholly unique original character. Um, I think it's more interesting if you create a character that's fresh and original and you just sort of use the knowledge that you have, whether it's emotions, whether it's investigation, to help shade in those details. But I think it's more interesting if the character is sort of fresh and, and comes from your imagination rather than just sort of like filling in all the blanks with just, okay, here's from this person, here's from that person. Um, so that was, I think that that's where Rachel came to for me. Now for this, this book being a, a little bit of a Venn diagram of a, a few subgenres, I wonder where you would shelve it in the Pinter bookstore and whose novels would you like to see on each side of it? Oh, that's a good question. I would say, you know, um, I would say from the, certainly I think being in the thriller suspense mystery genre, certainly in the crime fiction genre, I think those are usually kind of on the same shelves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think from the domestic side, obviously Harlan Coben writes domestic suspense as well as anybody or, or uh, Corinne Slaughter, mm -hmm. um, sort of like, you know, pretty girls, things like that. Um, uh, on the thriller side, you know, or suspense, like people like Laura Lippman, um, you know, in, in terms of that, it's not sort of like this big high octane military thriller with guns and bombs and bullets flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. But it, I did try to make it more, you know, sort of like Harlan Coben meets Michael Connelly. Mm -hmm. where there is a domestic suspense aspect to it, but there is also a mystery and an investigation. Um, so I thought blending those two worlds could be really interesting. Now, one of the themes of this podcast is that it generally takes about a decade of blood, sweat, and tears to become an overnight success. <laughs> and looking over your bio, I would expect you've got well more than a decade of this with all the success that you've had. I, I wonder what your journey was like from, from 
inspired writer to best-selling author? Oh man. Well, um, you know, I, I, my first book, the mark came out in 2007. So, you know, this is, you know, stranger at the door is now 14 years after my first book. And, uh, you know, I want to say I, I've certainly faced quite a lot of rejection. You know, I wrote two books that, that didn't get published rightfully. So before my first book came out, um, I took a little bit of time off. You know, I wrote one series, the Henry Parker series, which was five books. Um, and then I took some time off as I was starting my own company. Um, you know, but it's, it's uh, writing and publishing is a very volatile industry. And there are very few authors who say, you know, I came out of the gate and I crushed it. And it's been, mm -hmm. you know, milk, <laughs> milk and honey ever since then. Yes. Uh, it's a battle sometimes. And even really successful authors, I think, have had that moment of doubt or had that moment where things just might not go the way they'd hoped. And you have to sort of, you know, hope for the best and plan for the worst and understand that writing one book does not guarantee a second. Getting mm -hmm. one contract does not give, guarantee a second. And every book or every contract could be your last. And you sort of always need to have a, a backup plan because it's a it's a very hard industry to get into. And it's almost mm -hmm. an even harder industry to stay in. It's like it's like the NFL. It's like yes. few, few, <laughs> few, 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 few people actually make it to the NFL and even fewer last more than three or five years. So you need to keep that in mind and always and don't always assume that once you get a first book published, this is the rest of your life. You know, you, you might hope it is, but always be prepared. And on that, most of the folks, creatives in general, but especially writers uh, with whom I've spoken, tend to have had really significant mentors along the way that helped establish or helped guide and helped hone a lot of their skills and their craft. I wonder if you've had the fortune of, of mentorship and uh, who they were. Not really, I have to say. I mean, I'd say there are, there are a number of people who have certainly helped my career along the way, whether they be editors or agents or friends or other writers who have encouraged me and, and, and helped me along the way. But I can't say there's one person who's sort of been my guru, you know, my mm -hmm. master splinter or something, who's mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, uh, <laughs> so I, for, for better or worse, and that very well might be my fault because I'm sort of an introvert and, uh, you know, I'm not like, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert and a bit of a control freak, which is not necessarily a good combination to the point where like, I don't always share things with people, um, whether it's not being comfortable to, or just sort of wanting to have control over stuff. But there are a lot of people who have sort of been there and helped me along the way and, and, and inspired me. But I don't want to say there's like, you know, one person who's sort of been my, uh, my guru along the way. Um, and again, that might be my fault for just like, <laughs> not allowing that to happen. You know, and I, I'm deciding what to do with that master splinter reference, if that uh, helps define <laughs> you as, as having uh, just being part of, of my generation uh, or just having kids today, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> I think it's more my generation. My, my <laughs> kids are, I, I, I have a, I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old and they're more into, into Paw Patrol and Bubble Guppies. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe if I'm lucky when they get older, they'll go into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But that was, you know, when I was a kid growing up, that was, I was big into Teenage Mutant. I was a big Donatello fan. He was my favorite. Yes. Um, so that, I think that's more just, you know, showing my age rather than my kids. My kids aren't quite at that level of uh, Ninja Turtles yet. Now, with your expertise as both a best-selling author and a publisher, uh, I think you're fairly uniquely positioned to have you know, a, a very prominent and successful foot in, in both of those worlds um, or both, both of those avenues. And I wonder what your advice you're giving aspiring writers today about the 
the path today to pursue traditional publishing contracts? Well, it's, it's a very different time in the industry than it was when I was starting out. You know, in 2007, mm -hmm. when the mark came out, I don't even think ebooks existed yet. Um, I think they, I think the Kindle came out in 2008 or 2009, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, so distribution was very different. Publishing was very different. Um, there were more publishers then. Now the industry is consolidating greatly. Um, I would say there are more options now for authors, whether it be a more more independent publishers who can sort of like fill in the niches that maybe are slipping through the, the cracks in the big five mm -hmm. or self-publishing if the if the time is right and you're smart about it um you know one of the things that both good and bad that self-publishing has opened up is that there are authors who are talented and savvy in marketing who can self-publish their own books and find a tremendous readership um, but in some ways it also can be a bit of a shortcut for authors to not hone their craft. You know, like I, I said, I wrote two books before my first book came out that didn't get published and I'm glad they didn't get published because it forced me to get better and write a book that could find a larger audience. Whereas if self-publishing had been such a sort of easy option back then, I was, you know, 25, 26 when I, when, you know, when I wrote these books, mm -hmm. maybe I would have just said, Hey, I'm going to put them up on Kindle and I'll be a millionaire. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Um, so I do think rejection sometimes can force you to get better. Whereas if there are easy options, you don't necessarily feel the need to get better. So I would just caution writers to, if they, if they can't find a publisher, they can't find an agent, pump the brakes before you decide to do it on your own, because it can sound kind of sexy. Like, Hey, I'm going to put my books up and be an entrepreneur and be the self-made millionaire. But the reality of it is very different. Um, so a lot of times I think it's more worth honing your craft and finding the book that can hit with the right people rather than just sort of like saying, Hey, nobody realizes how brilliant I am. I'm going to put all this out there and watch the money roll in. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, from the publishing side, you have done a fantastic job of uh, finding, collecting, assembling, whatever verb you would use um, a cadre of really incredible authors at polis books thank you. and thank you very much uh, tori eldridge is one of my favorite people in this world she's oh, yeah. incredible um and rob hart is phenomenal really, yes. really enjoy that guy's work and his uh you know um i i actually have been meaning to get back in touch with him to find out if he's um if he's pursuing the warehouse uh is uh, uh, uh if it's been submitted for uh, one of the uh, one of the orwell prizes um as uh, political fiction um, unfortunately, you know, a little bit too reality right now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, seriously. You know. there, there, there's some books you write as fiction and then you almost don't want them to become reality because they're yes. so dystopian. <laughs> it's like, no, this shouldn't have, like, I wrote this as a cautionary yeah. tale. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, I was kidding. It was. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. I didn't uh, want to see this happen. Yeah. And I, I would imagine as uh, uh, with, you know, working both sides of the, the writing industry that, um you probably don't have a whole lot of spare time on your hands. Um, it's an incredibly yeah. busy thing. No, definitely not. Especially given I have two very small children who are the light of my life, but they're, you know, they're two and three, so they're not exactly self-sufficient. <laughs> so between, uh, you know, between writing and writing and being a writer, running a publishing company, and then, you know, uh, making dinners and breakfasts and changing and baths and, and my little one still in diapers and doing all that stuff. I, I basically have about 20 minutes of free time a day and that that's, that's being generous. So uh, on a very wonderful tangent, thank you for that. Uh, with that 20 minutes, uh, what 
do you currently have as your works in progress? What's next for Jason Penter, for Rachel Marin, for, for Parker? Well, you know, I'm hoping the Rachel Marin series continues as sort of like anything. Um, I think, you know, we're hopefully hoping that uh, readers enjoy the books and buy the books and spread the word because I, I know what the third book would be and I'm hopeful it'll it'll get come out at some point soon. Um, so I have that in the works. I have another book um, that's sort of different from the Marin series, a different kind of thriller. Uh, and then I have another project that's sort of different from all of those that I've just been sort of tweaking uh, and finalizing with my agent. Um, so, you know, a lot of irons in the fire right now, and I sort of don't want to definitively spoil the beans in anything, but uh, a lot of irons in the fire, and I hopefully I should have news on all of it soon. Now, I do enjoy ending, uh, closing out our podcast with a bit of a hypothetical. And if you're willing to play along, Jason. Um, yes, absolutely. I, I, let's say that you maybe find yourself in a position very similar to that in which you've dropped Rachel Marin in A Stranger at the Door. And you find that you've been called to solve a gruesome <laughs> local murder mm -hmm. and someone somewhere somehow is puppet mastering the circumstances around you that both threatens to reveal your most intimate secrets and allow this murderer to walk free. The question is that you have a chance to bring in two fictional investigators, assassins, revenge artists, to form the Pinter Task Force, <laughs> characters you don't write. Oh, okay. So I can't bring in Rachel. Okay. Can't bring in Rachel. No cheating. <laughs> but who uh, who would you bring in to uh, to help you solve this heinous crime? Um, well, I'd have to say Jack Reacher, uh, just because I think you know not just the investigative part, but I think it'd be fun to watch him just mm -hmm. beat people to a pulp. Um, and I got it, you know, my, my old favorites is a Dennis Lehane's um, Patrick Kenzie and Angela Gennaro. I, I'm going to bring them both in. Um, just from, I love their characters. I love their interactions. I love their dynamics. I love how Gennaro is just sort of like this no-nonsense, kick-butt, but also like very tough and vulnerable character. So I'm, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with Jack Reacher and then Patrick Kenzie and Angela Gennaro from Dennis Lehane's series. I believe that justice and vengeance shall both be yours, sir. I certainly hope so. I'd, I'd be I'd be terrible if I wrote if I wrote in this genre and then I couldn't pick the right detectives to solve the crime. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. Now, where can readers follow you and uh, keep in touch with your works in progress and Polish books? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at jasonpinter.com, my website. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram at, at @jasonpinter. Uh, if you're interested in Polis Books or the books we publish, uh, it's www.polisbooks.com. We have some absolutely amazing writers, um, books that have already come out, books that are still coming, um, and, and, and who are writing about topics that you probably have not read before. I am so grateful for your time, Jason. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been Jason Penter. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.